right, welcome everyone to New Philadelphia Itaewon. Uh, as Sonia mentioned in her prayer, there's membership class going on right now at Hillside. So uh, we have about 15 people uh, over there taking membership class. So praise God for that. Uh, before I start the message, I wanted to give a few thanks uh, for last night. Last night was the best Thanksgiving banquet I've, I've attended yet. I think I've attended four or five so far. Uh, it was wonderful last night. So special thanks uh, to Taylor. Uh, for a wonderful MC work. I, I love The Illusionist. Uh, that, was, that was excellent. Uh, I want to thank all the performers. Uh, I was really impressed by the talent in this house. Uh, this just New Philadelphia, especially here at Itaewon, right? Uh, really, really blessed. All right, yeah, that's right, that's right. I also want to thank uh, a lot of people that did service. I'm not going to be able to name all of you, but Brian was uh, really clutch. Uh, thank you, Brian, for, for just setting things up, tearing things down. Thank you to Noble, Ted, Diana, Candace, everyone else, uh, you guys serving. Uh, especially, I think the hardest job is serving the food because you got to watch as like 170 people get their food and then you can eat, you know, the leftovers. So special thanks to those who serve their food. Uh, it was really a blessed night. Um, yeah. Okay, let's, let's move into the message I'm not going to go off on tangents. Uh, I got a good word today. I want you guys to open your Bibles to Psalm 145. Uh, we're going to read verses 15 and 16. Psalm 145. I'm going to have you guys looking through your Bibles a lot today, so I hope you brought them. These are two of my favorite verses. All right, Psalm 145, verse 15 and 16, it says this, The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hands. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. All right, now let's uh, flip over to Jeremiah 31, 10 through 14. Uh, and this is also up here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read it. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and has redeemed him from hands too strong for him. They shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion. And they shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord, over the grain, the wine, and the oil, and over the young of the flock and of the herd. Their life shall be like a watered garden, and they shall languish no more. Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old be, shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will feast the souls of the priests with abundance, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. All right, the word satisfy in both of these uh, chapters of the Bible, in both Jeremiah 31 and Psalm 145, the word satisfy in Hebrew is saba. Saba. Say that with me. Saba. Saba means to satisfy, to be filled, to have an excess of, and in some translations it even means to be wary of. It's like so much that you're wary of it. And a great example of saba would be last night. After the Thanksgiving dinner, people are like, would you like some more? Oh, no, no. I, I'm Saba. I, I'm satisfied. I, I can't have any more. It would kill me. Okay, Thanksgiving is a perfect example of Saba, of being satisfied. And the message that God put on my heart today is this. God wants to satisfy you. God wants to Saba you. Amen. Amen. Now, before I begin this message, I have to say that this sermon has been on my heart for some time. I know that Pastor Aaron preached last week, increase your capacity to receive. And this message it has some similar lines. But God put this word on my heart um, weeks ago when I was asked to, to speak uh, for this service. And uh, I'm going to go a little bit deeper, but I feel the reason why God's giving these messages back to back is because God, uh, God has a call for this church to take a higher responsibility. Okay, God has a call for this church to increase our capacity so that we can be a church of 10 talents. Not just one, not just five, but 10 talents. Okay, talents are a material thing. I want you to know that, okay? It's, it's a material thing that God gives, and it's a responsibility to invest for his kingdom. And I really feel that God, through these messages, is wanting to open your hearts. Okay, he's wanting to open your mind so that you can see him as a God who wants to satisfy you and as a God who trusts us with this responsibility and that we need not fear this responsibility, but accept it with joy. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to kind of go somewhat of a long introduction in this, 
Uh, and then we're going to get into three areas that I really feel God wants to satisfy you in, uh, that he really set on my heart to share today. But first, I need to share a story of warning about being satisfied. Okay, I'm going to share a story that my uncle shared with me a few years ago, and it was actually about a Mexican, uh, a village in Mexico from a few decades ago. It was a while back. It's a very, very poor village in Mexico. In fact, it was one of the poorest areas in Mexico. And uh, a factory, uh, a different company, they found out about this poor village, and they thought, hey, let's do a good deed, and let's provide jobs for all of these villagers. And so what they did was they built this big factory outside the village, and they gave all, everyone in that village jobs. And what happened was uh, the villagers all worked there diligently for one week, and then they got their paychecks. And that following Monday, no one showed up. No one showed up. And so the factory owners, uh, you know, the managers there, they were all like, you know, what's going on? And they run into the village, and they find everyone there just, just relaxed. And they said, why aren't you at work? And the villagers said, we received more money from that paycheck than we ever imagined for our lifetime. We're, we're content. We're happy. We are satisfied. And you can imagine what the factory owners thought. We just invested all this money, and you guys aren't going to work because you're happy with so little? And so these factory owners, you know, they, they got together, and, and these managers, and, and they you know, asked, what should we do? Well, their solution was... This was back when Sears Roebuck was a big department store. They got the Sears Roebuck catalog, and they dropped it off at every house in the village. And you know what happened the next day? Everyone showed up because they saw what they were lacking, and they were suddenly no longer satisfied. Okay? That's a word of warning, okay, about this message, is that we need to understand that our true satisfaction has to be in God and in God alone. You see, you guys know it here in Korea. You've lived here. For those who are from America, Canada, you guys know about materialism. Top economies, one of their, their biggest strongholds over the people is materialism. Always the need for more. Okay? If you were to go into the jungle, into a tribe, you wouldn't find a person saying, I really need that iPhone 4S. I really need it. I can't live without it. You won't find anyone like that. They're, they're pretty content. But what happens is that as you get more, you tend to want more. As you tend to taste it, it, it's, it grows deeper and deeper. And you know what? It's the same with any addiction. A lot of people, they start with smoking, okay? And they enjoy it, and oh, man, this, this feels great. But you know what? After a while, for some smokers, it's just not, not as satisfying as it once was. And now we want to try some marijuana, okay? Kind of like that startup drug, all right? And then they start marijuana, and you know what happens for many people? Marijuana just it loses it. We'll move on to weed. Move on to speed. We'll move on to LSD. We'll move on to crack cocaine. It gets deeper and deeper. It's the same with pornography. Okay, a lot of people, they start, okay, with masturbation. They're satisfied with that, fantasy. And then they move on to, to the Internet. And then they get into deeper, hardcore stuff. Uh, then they get into prostitution. And, you know, I've counseled a number of guys who get into homosexuality as a result of pornography. Why? Because pornography is not enough anymore. Now they're looking into weird stuff. Okay, they're looking into to bestiality. They're looking at all sorts of crazy things. Why? Because that stuff doesn't satisfy. It does not satisfy. It, satisf it satisfies for a moment, don't get me wrong. There's a reason why people do it. feels good. But after a while, it wears off, right? I think we all know this. We know this, and yet we keep going back to it for so many of us. Because we just want at least a little bit of that satisfaction. We want at least a feeling, okay, of, of contentment. But what God says is, he says this in John 4, 14, Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. And the Apostle Paul, he writes in Philippians 4, 11, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. You see, what true followers of Christ understand is that joy is not conditional. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Okay, Joy is not conditional. Love is not conditional. Peace is not conditional. They're all fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so if you possess the Holy Spirit within you, you have love, you have joy, you have peace. No matter what the circumstance around you, you have that. You just got to tap into it. You just got to know God for who he is. He is a God of love. He's a God of joy. He's a God of peace. And as you see him for who he is, you are truly satisfied. And so this is a warning I have to speak very clearly is that if God is not your true source of contentment, then you will never be satisfied. 
If God is not your true source of contentment, you will never be satisfied in anything. In your job, okay, in your sex life, you will not be satisfied in anything that you do if God is not your true source of contentment. felt I needed to establish that. And uh, some people will say, especially those who are like, oh, I'm going all out for God. They'll say, well, that's it. All you need is God. And you should be satisfied. And we need to forsake the world. You know, Scripture says we shall not love the world, right? We shall forsake all those things. And we're just going to live on nothing. And we're just going to be happy all the time. And I mean, I, I, that's, that's very admirable. But I think it paints a bad picture of God. You see, God loves to give gifts. All right, I'm going beyond the whole he's entrusting a greater responsibility on you guys today. All right, he's going to entrust a lot more in this church as you guys increase your capacity to receive. He's going to give you guys a lot more responsibility, not just with money, but in relationship and influence, okay, and your job, those different areas. But he's not just looking to work you. He's looking to satisfy you. He's looking to bless you. He's a loving father who gives good gifts. Think about this, all right? If I am a father and I have my son, all right, and it's his birthday, on his birthday, and I'm, am I going to say, hey, look, I'm your father. I'm all you need. You should be happy. I'm going to take away this birthday cake away from you because this birthday cake, you know what? It's going to rot your teeth. It's bad for you. You're going to get fat, especially if you like it. You're going to keep eating it and eating it, and it's going to kill you. So I'm going to take this birthday cake away. This is going to be you and me, son. Okay, think about that picture. What type of picture are you painting of God? All right, in the way that you live, in the way you ask of things. What do you, how do you believe God is? Is he a loving father who loves to give good gifts, who pours out onto his children, who cares about us, who not only wants us to know his love, but wants to give us just, just symbols of his love? Or is he a God who says, no. You'll just, just know me, and that's it. Think about that. What picture of God are you painting? And uh, last week, Sister Aaron, uh, Pastor Aaron, she shared some of her stories on her difficulties to receive. And I want to just briefly share my own story. I came to Korea as a missionary at the end of 2005. So I've been here almost six years, live off full-time support ever since I came out here. And uh, my first three years, I lived in Jeon Christian Children's Home. Uh, it's an orphanage near Gimpo Airport. I still continue to serve there to this day. But for three years, I lived in there. And I lived off support money. And I lived with this mentality that I need to be very careful with my money. Because I'm living for God. And I want to glorify Him in everything. And I don't want to be foolish. I don't want anyone to question me about how I'm spending my money. I just, you know, God is everything. And I'm content in Him. And so I'm just going to eat kimbap and mandu when I eat out with my friends. You know, dumplings and... And kimbap, the cheap stuff. And, uh, you know, that, that's it. And so, you know, what I did was I lived way under my budget. Uh, I, I, when I would eat out, I would get just very little things. People were going to a nice restaurant. I'd be like, oh, I'm just going to go home. And, you know, I'll just eat something small at home. And I lived kind of a life of poverty. And what happened was I lost a lot of weight. Uh, I was sick a lot. And uh, I rarely had meals where I felt satisfied. Okay, my meal satisfaction was McDonald's once a week. I would get some McDonald's. That was the way I was living. Now, what type of picture of God was I painting? What type of witness was I, was I being through that lifestyle? Oh, I was being so faithful with my money. Oh, I was really running after God, living for God, a missionary, you know, living in Korea. But man, I was really demonstrating that God is a penny-pinching hard boss that just <laughs> expects me to do my job and to do it well and to not ask for anything more. That was the picture I was painting. The truth was, I was being a false witness of God. I was being a false witness of God and His love. And it wasn't until 2008 that God began to correct and really open up my eyes. And it was even during those years that supporters would even email me from America. They couldn't even see me, but they could, like, sense, you know, something was off. And they were like, you need to take better care of yourself, you know. And uh, in 2008, I started to get better revelation, you know, especially like Jeremiah 31 and Psalm 145, the scripture that I read, that God is a God who wants to satisfy us. He delights in us, that scripture says. He delights in us. He wants to satisfy us. And so as I began to receive that, you know what happened? The ministry uh, that I was heading up began to bear far more fruit than it had in the years before. God began to provide much more than he had been providing before. And my health got so much better. My witness became so much stronger. 
And so something I want to emphasize is that I keep sharing about painting a picture. You see, you have to see God in a certain realm before you can receive from Him in that realm. All right, and I've shared this with some of you guys before. You have to see God as a healer before you can receive healing. Okay, you have to see him in that way. And so in our church, we've been praying for healing for, for a while now. And you know what happened was early on, you know, people have stomach aches and we get healed of it. People that have headaches get healed of it. Okay, and we praise God for it. We are seeing a small glimpse of him as a healer. But, you know, as we kept pressing in, what happened? People with brain aneurysms, people with tumors. Okay, people that, with, that were hard of hearing during the missions, different miracles started happening on an increase. Okay, it wasn't just stomach aches and headaches anymore. We're seeing God more. And so we're receiving from God more. We're seeing God as a healer. All right, and it's the same in the supernatural. It's the same in other areas. And the area I want to talk about today is that God is a God who satisfies. He is a loving Father who delights in us, who wants to give us good gifts. He wants to bless us with His love. Okay? Just as we, you know, during our birthdays and Christmas, if we have friends or family, oftentimes we'll write a gift list, things we'd like. And our friends take delight and getting those things for us. Why? It's a symbol of their love for us. It's a symbol that they delight in us. On our birthday, it's a celebration of our life. On Christmas, it's just a celebration of what Christ has done for us. And we want to bless each other. That's why we give gifts, right? It's a symbol of our love. So wouldn't God want to give us the greatest gifts? Wouldn't God want to just pour out upon us and really bless us? And I've already shared the warning. Yeah, you know, we, we don't want to get wrapped up in the gifts. We don't want to find our contentment in the gifts. We find our contentment in God. But, you know, if, if Sky makes me some butter chicken, I love the butter chicken, and I'm so thankful to her. And I receive more love from her because of that. I'm not like, I love butter chicken. No, goodbye, Sky. You know? <laughs> what is that? What is that? Okay, we need to have a healthy mindset in these things of how God wants to satisfy us. He's not trying to kill us. He's not trying to make us run away with greed or, or, or you know, get wrapped up in all those other things. He knows what we need. He works all things for our good. He delights to give to us. God wants to satisfy us. Amen? Amen. All right, so three things we're going to hit. These things might surprise you, but let's do this. Number one, God wants to satisfy us relationally. God wants to satisfy us relationally. Amen? All right, without even looking in your Bible, what was the first problem in the Bible? No, it was not the fruit, okay? It was Adam was alone, okay? Adam was alone. And God, I really believe, made this the first problem of the Bible. So he wanted to emphasize this issue. So what did God do? All right, was God this, you know, thing where he was like, look, here's a dog. You know, he's your best friend. He's going to be loyal, He's going to be fun and playful. You really enjoy him. I know he's not the best, but you know what? If I gave you the best, you might not worship me. So here's a little bit. Oh, that's not our God. Our God gave him Eve, the perfect mate. He blessed him with Eve. God desires to bless us relationally. God doesn't want us to give us just some old, some old, okay? He doesn't want to just, here, just grab somebody. Here you go. Here's a dog, you know, your, your best friend. No. Okay, he wants to satisfy you relationally. And in the scripture, God provides for other problems like food, clothes, shelter, and, and for his people. He provides all other things. But I really believe that this first thing, he wanted to emphasize very clearly in Genesis 1 and 2, okay, that Adam needed a mate. We need a mate. Okay, that's one. And two, God provides it. God provided it. He didn't say, Adam, go find it. Go on your own. Try and search the ends of the earth. He provided it. Adam rested, he provided. All right, if that's not enough for you, I, I think that should be enough. But let's turn to 2 Samuel chapter 12. And I want to point out some scripture that's very odd. 2 Samuel chapter 12. I need you guys to be on it with your Bibles. In this chapter, this is actually a very depressing chapter. Chapter 11, 12, 13 are three of the most depressing chapters uh, in the Bible. What's just happened is David, who is king over Israel who has all these wives, sees Bathsheba, and he wants her, so he secretly gets her. He sleeps with her. She gets pregnant. He finds out, and so what he does is he kills Bathsheba's husband. He has Bathsheba's husband killed, who is one of his mighty men. I don't know if you know that, but Scripture later, if you read Scripture, you'll see he was listed as one of the mighty men of David, one of his top soldiers. He had him killed. Okay, and then he took Bathsheba as his own. 
And, of course, God was watching all this, and God calls the prophet Nathan to go rebuke David. So chapter 12 is this very strong rebuke where Nathan makes this analogy, and David gets really angry at this analogy, you know, at, at some sin that this guy has made, and then Nathan says, no, you are that man. And look at this, verse 7 and 8. Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul, and I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. Emphasis. And if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. What an odd statement in the rebuke. What an odd statement. You would think God would just be angry and let David have it. But instead he says, David, look, if you would just ask, I would give you more. You know what I think God was especially upset about? Was that David didn't believe that God wanted to satisfy him. That David went on his own. Tried to do things his way. God is saying this after David already has a bunch of wives. Okay, this is like the worst example. And yet this is so clear that even here God wants to satisfy him. God wants to bless him. God loves us. Okay, and God is upset with David. If you would just ask me, I would give you so much more. James 4, 2 says you do not have because you do not ask. You do not have because you do not ask. Think about it. If God loves us, okay, if, if we're painting the picture that, that he's a loving father, he wants to give us good gifts. Uh, guys, a husband and a wife is the greatest gift you will ever get. Don't you think he wants to give you someone good? Don't you think he cares? Do you think he's far off? Just uh, you know, go on your own. No, he cares. He's listening. So God convicted me. I, I don't know if you guys know my story. I think I'm going to share some of it at the singles conference. Yay! Uh, I've shared, <laughs> I've shared some of it with you guys, uh, but uh, I'll probably go into to more detail at the conference uh, and teach. But um, God didn't. My, my heart was very closed for marriage for about seven years. And it wasn't until the end of 2008, God began to start opening my heart. And 2009, opened it more and more. 2010, more and more. It took, it took some time, okay? <laughs> I, I needed some healing. But um, one of the things that God convicted me in was that, okay, if this is my greatest gift to you, you got to want it and you need to be expectant, okay? Because if I just give you someone, because in my mindset, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm living for North Korea. I'm, I'm a missionary. I got to have someone really, you know, unique, special. God just has to... Make her and just give her to me. <laughs> well, not very romantic. And, uh, and it, it would just, if I just received her, how much would I appreciate her if I wasn't expecting of anything? How much would I be thankful? And God convicted me, you need, to, you need to start asking. And you need to search your heart. What do you really want? And do you believe me that I will satisfy you? Because you know what? I didn't. I didn't believe God would satisfy me in that area. I had dated before and had horrible, you know, experiences. And, I, you know, I, like I said, I needed some healing, you know. But, <laughs> but I, I really needed to know, hey, God, you are a God who satisfies. This is why I'm preaching this to you today. And so I was encouraged, you know, to write down a list of attributes, things that, you know, I, I would desire in my future mate. And I did that. I was also encouraged to ask um, people close to me, uh, what type of person could they see me marrying? And so I asked my mom and my dad, I asked my two sisters, and they sent me their, their own list or their own thoughts. And it really helped me understand myself, okay, and, and what I was looking for. And I really want to encourage this to you guys to do this uh, if you're still single. Probably not going to, I don't know if I'm going to share this at the singles conference. So, hey, you know, you guys get this advice. But uh, a quick couple words of advice with this. Almost everybody I talk to, they say, well, I really wish I could, you know, that person would be someone I'm comfortable with. And that they have a sense of humor. Like, duh. You know, like, isn't that like everybody? You know, everybody wants that. But you need to be a little more specific, all right, when you ask God. Because you might get someone with really offensive humor, okay? And, and you don't like that. Or maybe you do like that, and you need to be praying. God, I, I really want someone with offensive humor. You know, I just, it makes me laugh. I like it. And, uh, you know, maybe you like corny humor. Maybe you like brainy humor. Right, I don't know. And, and what about being comfortable? What, what's being comfortable for you? Is it someone who gives you hugs? Okay, is, is it someone who's strong physically and will protect you? Okay. okay. All right, we got a witness there. All right. Is it someone who's goofy and you feel safe showing your strange sides to? 
Okay, what's important to you about being comfortable? What's important? Specify. Think about it. All right, try, try and be detailed. Now, it's funny. I share this. Now, I have to admit that while God answered almost all my prayers for Sky, and if you were to ask me, what do you like about Sky? I'd be like, bam, 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 bam. I could tell you. Why? Because I prayed about it. And I see it in her, and I know it, and I'm so thankful. Sadly for Sky, she didn't get what she'd been praying for. Uh, she said it's okay for me to share. I knew this going into asking her out, and it, get, it made me very nervous. She expected to marry Korean men. Uh, don't. She also, one of her top attributes was, God, I pray that he is artistic and musically talented. <laughs> don't. Uh, yeah, if you know me, no. Not, not, not any of that. I think I, you know, I have a little creative side, but it needs some work. Uh, so, you know, she, but she learned, Sky was learning, even before I expressed interest in her, that there were deeper desires and needs uh, that she had that she hadn't even discovered yet. And these are her words. She can testify that what she was expecting wasn't the best for her and that God knew better. Okay? She can testify that what she was expecting wasn't the best for her and that God knew better. Amen? 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 <laughs> I'm a little nervous. All right. But it's the truth. If you were to ask her, she would say she's satisfied. Okay? And I can say that with confidence. God has truly blessed us. All right? But a lot of people think, oh, if I, if I don't get this exact list, you know, then it's not the person and God doesn't care about me, la, 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 la. No. Okay? It's not going to be exactly what you think. It really isn't. All right? But God wants to bless you. And the things that you truly need, he's going to provide for you, especially as you ask. Don't settle. Okay? Don't just go on your own. Okay, we, we do need to do things in the natural, like go to a singles conference and just open our hearts. Okay, I'm not saying try and find someone, but just open your hearts. Um, but you need to be talking to God along the way. You need to know He's a loving Father. He's looking out for you. Okay, He's like Abraham who sent his, his servant ahead, okay, to find a suitable mate for Isaac. All right, and Isaac waited and Isaac was blessed. Jacob waited, Jacob was blessed. Take this time to pray and to ask and to let God continue to refine you and grow you. And you know what happens after you get into a relationship and you get married? Uh, number two, God wants to satisfy us sexually. I said it. God wants to satisfy us sexually. <laughs> yeah, Melody's at least laughing in the back. I said it and I mean it. And I mean it. And why do I feel led to share this? You know how many people I've counseled about pornography? About masturbation? About prostitution? Okay, you know how many people I've counseled? Too many to count. Way too many to count. You know how many people think that God doesn't care about their sexual needs? You know how many people think that, well, you know, God may have given me this sex, sex drive, but he didn't know how hard it would be. And I don't think he really wants to satisfy me. So many people have this mindset. And you know what? It's been preached in the church. It's been preached in the church for millenniums. I'm not talking about centuries, millenniums. You know, in the second century, there was a guy named Clement of Alexandria. He was one of the top church leaders. And he told the church, you may only have sex during the 12 hours in the night. You may not have it during the day. It's dirty. Okay? A lot of these guys in the early church and then in the Middle Ages, they castrated themselves. Okay? Why? Because they wanted to devote themselves to God. Sex was a dirty thing. They did not want to have any lustful thought. In the Middle Ages, the church taught this. You are not allowed to have sex on Sundays, feast days, Wednesdays, 40 days before Christmas, five days before communion, and so many other days to the point that Christians could only have sex 83 days out of the 365 days of the year. That was the church. 83 days. That doesn't include when a woman has a period. Okay? That's what the church taught. Why? Because sex is a dirty thing. That's what the sex taught. Uh, that's what the church taught. Whoa. It's all right. I'm married. I can think that way. <laughs> so what, what picture are we painting of God? The God, you know, he's a loving father. He gave us all these desires just to torture us. Okay, just to, just to let us be. You guys, do you know what God's first commandment in the Bible was? Genesis chapter 1. Yeah, be fruitful and multiply. 
<laughs> you guys, you guys know this. That's good. What do you think that means? Be fruitful and multiply. What was he commanding Adam and Eve to do? Yes, he was commanding them to have sex. Yes. Okay, it's okay, church. It's okay. We're all adults here, thankfully. I don't know if I could preach this with children around. But that was God's first commandment to us. All right? God created this to bless us, to satisfy us. And I want you guys to open up Song of Songs, chapter 4. Song of Songs, chapter 4. This is a book of the Bible that many church leaders, uh, they, they hate it. All right? And those same guys that castrate themselves said that Song of Songs is completely allegorical. Nothing of it is real about a relationship. And they tried to twist every verse. And now I know that, that different church leaders have also made it into allegory, like IHOP. Okay? And it's very beautiful the way that they have interpreted it in different ways. But if you study the history of the Bible, Jewish scribes and historians, they knew what it was about. And they would not let youth read it. Jewish boys were not allowed to read Song of Songs until after their bar mitzvah, until after their coming of age. Why? Because they knew this book, this book is steamy. Okay? I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's very erotic. All right? And so let's look at chapter 4, verses 11, through chapter 5, verse 2. This, this chapter, most uh, people who study the Bible, most scholars would agree, this is the honeymoon. So this is the moment where they are alone in the room about to have sex for the first time. The man is speaking. He says, your lips strip nectar. My bride, honey and milk are under your tongue. Yes, under your tongue. The fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. A garden locked is my sister, my bride, a spring locked, a fountain sealed. Your shoots are an orchard of pomegranates with all choicest fruits, henna with nard, nard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon, with all trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes, with all choice spices, a garden fountain, a well of living water and flowing streams from Lebanon. Awake, O north wind, and come, O south wind, blow upon my garden and let its spices flow. She responds, let my beloved come into his garden and eat his choicest fruits. He says, I came. To my garden, my sister, my bride, I gathered my myrrh with my spice. I ate my honeycomb with my honey. I drank my wine with my milk. Then others eat, drink, eat friends, drink, and be drunk with love. All right, so what we just read, I know, you know God, God's kind of cool in how he does this. But what, how we, what we just read, the PG version is, he looks at his wife's body pretty graphically. All right, and I didn't read the whole chapter. There was a lot more detail there. Then she invited him in. And... He went in, and he says, I, I, I did it. And then we have, <laughs> trying to be PG here, and then we have this others. Others, okay? Other Bibles say friends, all right? And they say, eat friends, drink, be drunk with love. All right, that is very scary to think about because you've just pictured one of the most intimate portions of the Bible, okay? The honeymoon chamber, and then suddenly we got these guys at the window, like, yeah, you know? All right, that's not the case. Most historians who study this are, are very clear that, okay, now, now some of those religious people that I talk about from the Middle Ages, they say what happened was they just had sex, all right, he's happy, and then he ran outside to see his buddies. And they said, yeah. Okay, that, that's really, if you study the, the old, you know, studies of Song of Songs. But most people who study this will agree and say that this is God. God is intervening. Who's the only other person who could be seeing them at this time? It's God. God speaks. It's the only person, only being that could make sense at this point. Why? Because the next verse is a complete transition. Okay? What does God say? Eat, friends, drink, and be drunk with love. Just the fact God puts song of songs in the Bible shows that he cares about this area. But the fact that he intervenes at this point shows that he cares about us being satisfied sexually. He cares, church. He loves us. He created us with this drive. His first thing was he created Eve to satisfy Adam relationally. Okay, and then he said, go, enjoy this. Be satisfied in this area. You see, sex isn't just about procreation. It's also not just about intimacy or comfort. And other scripture also alludes to it in those ways, intimacy and comfort. Sex is also about pleasure, church. Scripture is very clear. I'm going to read Proverbs 5, 18 and 19. It says this, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Proverbs 5, 18 and 19. In nearly every other translation, it reads this. Let her breasts satisfy you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. All right, that's God's command. 
We have it right there. God wants to satisfy us sexually. He cares about this area. Okay? And so, I'm, I'm just, it, it beats me up that so many Christians, they get married and their sex life is horrible. Okay? I'm not, I'm not joking here. So many Christians, they get together and you know why it's bad? Because the woman has been taught that sex is dirty all her life. Okay? Or she's had bad experiences that she hasn't been healed and delivered of. And so she feels dirty. She doesn't want it. Okay, let's just get it over with. Okay, it's her thought. And she doesn't think that any of the scripture has to do with her. When Song of Songs is mostly about the woman experiencing pleasure, not the man. Okay? Uh, yeah. All right? I don't know. It's a funny topic. All right? And then the men, for so many of them, they've got into pornography so much that they feel dirty thinking of their wife in any way sexually. Because all they can think of is porn. All right? And so they'd rather just go to the porn than go to their wife. So sad. It's so pathetic. Okay, and they also think that God's watching and, oh, you better not do anything weird. Okay. God loves us. Okay, he just spoke over this most intimate moment and said, eat, friends, drink, and be drunk with love. And I want to tell you that if you are at this church, uh, you will be blessed. Okay, then the marriage ministry, it hasn't, you know, grown yet. Sky and I have only been married so long. So, some, you know, some of these other color, uh, couples, the core leaders, we've got new couples in the church. Um, but God wants to bless this area of our church. He doesn't want us to be satisfied in this area, this area, this area, and then just have a horrible area, you know, horrible part in this area. Sex is so important in a marital relationship. It is so important. I'm not joking, okay? You read books about it, and they will emphasize why. Because it's the most vulnerable you'll ever be with someone else is having sex most vulnerable position and if you can't enjoy it then how can you ever be intimate with that person whom you love okay but if you can enjoy that area if you can have fun and even laugh okay in that in that area then i'm telling you your marriage is in a good place your marriage is in a good you can be vulnerable about anything sex is important this is a crucial area church and i'm here to tell you god wants to satisfy you he wants to bless you and so singles, I, I want to encourage you, when you know that, when you can understand that, you can let go, okay, of, of these temporary desires. You can know that God wants to satisfy you far more than pornography or masturbation or prostitution or any of those things. You're able to let go of those things and wait on Him, okay? And there is a grace, there is a blessing in suppressing our desires. Just as there is a grace in fasting from food, there's a grace in giving up other things for a time, for a time. Okay, so that God can bless us in other areas, strengthen us in other areas. But when we get married, God wants to bless you to the fullness. To the fullness. Amen? Amen. Okay, I hope I, hope I share that right. All right, last area is probably even more controversial than the other two. Yeah. God, um, you guys got to listen through. All right, don't judge. Don't judge. God wants to satisfy us materially. Don't judge. I'm warning you. God wants to satisfy us materially. Materially. All right, that statement alone, and people grab the mic, throw me out of the church. Okay? Uh, why? This is such a sensitive topic. Such a sensitive topic. All right, I, I can feel it. But let me, let me go back to sex for a moment. Why was sex labeled as dirty and largely condemned in the church for almost 2,000 years? Why? Because it's dangerous. Because it's dangerous. Because if you start to fall into that area, you can get into all sorts of sin, and then you just disgrace the church. It's better that we just ignore it, we label it as dirty, and we run away from it as far as we can. That's why. But what's the logic in that? The logic is, is well, we better obey our fear and just avoid everything that, that might touch us. It's living by fear is what it is, okay? It's living by fear. And a lot of the church is starting to get this, that sex really isn't bad, it's good. Okay, that we had it wrong for so long, and they're starting to come around of what I just taught. But for materialism, those things, for materials, for money I'm talking about, for goods, products, those things, a lot of the church is still in this fear mode. Okay, uh, it's bad. Okay, it's just going to tempt you. You're going to get overrun by it. It's going it's to consume you. You're going to get the love of money. We just got, it's all bad. It's all bad. We got to forsake it all. Do not love the world. Get away from it. Get away from it. Okay, and so we live like I did. All right, and we say, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to live on just a littlest amount, okay? I'm going to be so careful. I'm going to budget everything. I'm going to eat the, the poorest stuff, 
All right, why? Because I don't want to do anything that would make people question that I'm falling into this trap and that I'm not being a good steward of my money. Being led more by fear than by faith. Okay? Being led more by fear than by faith. God is not wanting to, to make us gluttons. God is not wanting to, to make us so consumed with our riches that we can't get in the kingdom of God. You know, he said that it is hard, it's as hard for a rich man to get into the kingdom of God as it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. All right, he said that. And you know why that caused a lot of the church to say? All right, well, then if, if a camel can't go through the eye of a needle, then we just got to ignore money. We can't be rich. We got to forsake everything. We got to live poor. We got to live as low class citizens, or we got to just live with, with the usual fee of being a teacher and have that type of pay for all my life and be content with that. Because if I get rich, I might forsake the kingdom of God. But you know why Jesus said that? He said the rich can only enter the kingdom of God through faith. Through faith. If you're living by faith, it doesn't matter how much you have. You're living for God. Your satisfaction is Him. You will get into the kingdom of God. Okay? Is this making sense? I hope it's making sense. It's got to be by faith. Our satisfaction, our contentment is fully in God. Amen? All right? So so if I get something, you know, if I get a million dollars and it's taken away, I'm not sad. I'm not like, oh, shoot. No, my my, my contentment is in God. My joy is in Him. If I get a million dollars, am I suddenly happy? I... Well, whatever. If God gives it to me, I'm blessed. Okay? Now, I will take responsibility of that. That's a heavy responsibility. This is a responsibility I feel God is giving to a lot of you in this church. Maybe not today. Maybe not next year. But very soon. Why? Because God gives a lot to those who are faithful. And I believe you guys are being faithful. We should expect this. Okay? We receive it as a responsibility. But we're not overrun by it. And if we lose it, we're not crying. Okay? Our faith is in God. Our satisfaction is in Him. And so uh, I want to I point out some, some scripture about how God wants to satisfy us in this area. Think about the feeding of the 5,000. The feeding of the 5,000. What happens is Jesus, he goes away to this lonely place. Right? There's not many people or there's not much you know, civilization. But all these crowds of people gather. It says 5,000 men along with women and children. So it was likely well over 10,000 people were there. All right? And he taught them for an extended amount of time. And then it got to the point where he, he says to his disciples, look, it's getting late. They need some food. Feed them. And the disciples are like, how are we going to get anything? And then they find some, some loaves of bread and some fish, and they give it to Jesus. And what does Jesus do? You guys know this story. He, he blesses it, he breaks it, and then he passes it out. This is the end result. Matthew 14, verse 20. Listen to this. They all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Let me read that again. They all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. All right, did Scripture say they all ate until it ran out? Does Scripture say they all ate until they weren't hungry anymore? No, Scripture says they all ate until they were satisfied, and then there was a ton left over. That's what Saba is about. That's like Thanksgiving dinner, God providing a Thanksgiving dinner where you eat and you eat and you eat to the point where your belt is about to burst, and you look up and there's all these turkeys left over. This is God's heart for you, church. This is what God wants to bless you with. All right? He's not a God of little tiny gifts. Okay? At Christmas time, I can guarantee you, He wants to give you the best gift. He has the most money. He has the most control, the most influence, the most authority, the most love for you. He has all those things. I can guarantee you, He wants to bless you. Okay? And we need to put our hearts in that, get that right perspective with God, that He cares about us. I mean, he loves us. He loves to give us good gifts. It's okay to say, God, I, I would love to have that jacket. It would bless me. All right, if you get that jacket, are you going to say, I forsake you, God, I love this jacket. I'm running away. No, you would thank God for it. When you see that jacket, you remember, God bless me with that jacket. Think about it. When someone gave you a gift that was really meaningful to you, when you see that gift, don't you remember that person? And aren't you appreciative? Aren't you thankful? Doesn't that mean something to your heart? Think about how much God wants to bless you. Think about how God wants you to think of Him. He loves you, church. He loves you. He loves you and He wants to satisfy you. I know you guys don't need a million dollars to be satisfied. You don't need anything. Your contentment is in God. That's why this message is safe to preach in this place. But it it doesn't mean we can't ask. It doesn't mean that God doesn't want to give us anything. You know who who Jesus hung out with? He hung out with the taxpayers and those 
quoted the gluttons. And he was accused of feasting too much. Jesus, why do you eat so much? Why do you feast so much? Why do you hang out with these people that party? Why do you do these things? Why do you turn the water into wine? This guy was trying to get into the religious leaders' heads that, that the kingdom of God is not all about suffering. It's not all about suffering. It's not all about religious acts. It's about an intimate relationship with God. It's about relating with people. And it's about his love and the joy, having that relationship and receiving from him. You know, in the Old Testament, we were studying Leviticus today during Bible study in the morning. And we covered this one chapter. It covers the feasts and the fasts that God ordained for Israel to do. He commanded them to do this every year. You know how many feasts there were that God commanded them to have each year? Five. Five feasts each year. Some of them were for multiple days to the point where there was at least, I want to say at least 11 days a year where they were, they were commanded to feast. We're talking about Thanksgiving. Okay? They were commanded to feast. We do Thanksgiving once a year. He commanded them 11 times a year. Guess how many times he commanded them to fast and to suffer? One time. One time, church. Okay? He commanded them on the Day of Atonement, you shall fast. You know what the Pharisees were doing? They were fasting two times a week. Pharisees fasted two times a week. They had it down. You want to know suffering? They knew suffering. They they knew how how to, to act like I used to in poverty. Okay, and in all those ways. And they thought they were glorifying God. But you know what? They were painting a picture of God as this mean, heavy, demanding boss. They weren't painting him as a loving father. They weren't painting him as someone who cared about their needs and their desires and wanted to satisfy them and bless their health. What type of picture are you painting, church? By the way you pray, by the way you live, what type of picture of God are you painting to others? What type of witness are you being? Church, I know you guys are secure. I know you guys aren't going to go off on the deep end. All right? You're not going to you know, suddenly start demanding you know, this nice car and all these riches or I'm not satisfied. I know you guys aren't going to do that. That's why this word is safe to give. Okay? But we do need to know that God wants to satisfy us. And God's not just giving us ten talents. He's not just giving us all this influence or authority or money to steward and just be beaten down by. He's also giving us these things. He wants to bless us. He wants to enjoy it along the way. You know what garment Jesus wore? It was a linen garment. It was considered very expensive for that time. It was why when he was crucified, they divided his garments. Because it was worth something. It wasn't some cheap rag Jesus was wearing. He was wearing a linen garment. Guys, that's a picture of the way your ministry should go. God loves you. We're called to live for Him. We're called to, to work for Him. We're called to do these things for Him. But He wants us to remember. He treasures us. Okay? He cares about us. And it's okay to wear the linen garment. Okay? It's okay to wear these things that, that are comfortable to our skin because God cares. God loves, you know, God's gift of sky to me has only increased my worship to God. He satisfied me in that way. Okay, after getting married and, and experiencing, okay, uh, sex and how God wants to bless us in that way, it's only increased my thanks of God and my revelation of how much He cares. I see God as such a loving God through this. And when I, I see my apartment or my car or how God has provided for me despite me being a missionary, doing orphanage ministry, how God cares about me, I'm just thankful. And it increases my worship. It gives me a warm feeling in my heart, how God cares. Now, if God were to take it all away, would I forsake Him? No. My joy is in Him. My satisfaction is fully in Him. But He's blessed me. And He wants to bless you, church. It's your inheritance. He wants to bless you. He wants to satisfy you in these areas. He doesn't want you to live poor and beaten down and broken. He wants you to live with the full revelation, the full knowledge that I have a daddy in heaven who cares about me. He cares about my needs. He cares about my desires and my dreams. He wants to satisfy me. He wants to bless me. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you so much, Lord, that your presence is here today. And God, I thank you, Lord, that you bless us with your presence because you love us. It's because you love us, God. You say your presence shall go before us and you shall give us rest. God, that's your desire, Lord. You don't say my presence will go before you and I will give you work. 
God, you say, my presence will go before you and I will give you rest. You say, come to me, oh, you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. God, these are your words. These are your words, God. You love this church. You love your body so much, God. You provide for us. You bless us, God. You give us above and beyond all that we could ever ask for or imagine, Lord. And God, we thank you that we're not called to live this life on earth in, in just complete suffering and misery. But we're called to live it in joy. Enjoying you, whether we have much or we have little. God, we find our joy in you. Whether we have great health or whether we're, we're hurting, God, we find our joy in you. You are the true source of our satisfaction, of our contentment, and of, of, of everything, Lord God, that we could ever want. But God, we thank you, Lord, that you go beyond that, God. You go beyond that, Lord, and you see our needs as you saw the needs of Adam, as you saw the needs of creation. You see our needs and you see our desires. You don't provide just a little. You don't provide just things that might disappoint us or, or things that, Lord, we just got to put up with, God. You meet all our needs according to your glorious riches, God. You go above and beyond. You're a loving Father, a wonderful Father, God. Hallelujah. You love to surprise us, God. You love to surprise us, God, with your love. And God, I just speak, Lord, these revelations going deep to your church's heart. I speak these revelations going deep into our hearts. And God, I thank you, Lord, that we don't need to fear, Lord God, the things. We don't need to fear sex. We don't need to fear relationships. We don't need to fear materialism. We don't need to fear those things because we're not led by fear. We're led by faith. And I just speak faith in this house, God. Hallelujah, God, that we're a family, Lord. We have accountability. We're looking out for each other, God. And we're running after you together, Lord. We do not have to fear the enemy, God, for you are with us, God. You protect us, God. We exalt you, Lord, for you are a good shepherd and we are not in want. We are not in want. Continue, Lord, just release this, God. As you increase our capacity to receive, continue to release this word, Lord God, not just today, but every day. Impact your children, Lord. Hallelujah, God, that we may not just receive, but we may have joy. Hallelujah, we may have delight, that we may appreciate all that you give for us, God, that we may exalt your name, Lord, for you are good. You are faithful, Lord. We praise your name. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's pray.